If you enter my mind for any reason, I will twist your head off and use it for a chamber pot. Are you going to arrest me, Garibaldi? No way. I want to live to see the future. Mr. Bonova, Mr. Self, anybody else? Shoot him. We are star stuff. We are the universe made manifest, trying to figure itself out. All of us was for nothing. Unless we go to the stars. Boom. Sooner or later. Boom. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, season one, episode six, Mind War. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we, we are, are the, the Epsilon, Epsilon 3. 3. And here's the synopsis for this week's episode. A rogue telepath with exceptional powers takes refuge on Babylon 5, and two Psychops arrive to capture him. Catherine Sakai heads to Sigma 957 to survey it for Quantium 40, ignoring Jakar's grave warnings. Directed by Bruce Seth Green, which is his second episode, and uh, written by JMS. This episode was first aired on March 2nd, 1994. This takes place from April 24th to April 26th, 2258. The guest stars are Julia Nixon is back as Catherine Sakai, Felicity Waterman as Miss Kelsey, Michael McKenzie as Captain Shadrog, Walter Koenig as Alfred Bester, and William Allen Young as Ironheart. So this week, guys, I don't have too many notes about this one. You don't? Compared to last week's. So yeah. So what do we think about this episode? Uh, it's not the best episode in the world, but uh, we, we do get the introduction to the uh, inner workings of the Psychor. We get to meet uh, Alfred Bester, which is super cool. It's the first uh, episode that uh, Mr. Chekhov's himself appears in and he i think he appears in like 12 or 16 episodes throughout the run of the series i can't remember the exact number but i i I checked for all the star trek references i could find from all the guest stars none of the guest stars ever appeared in star trek except for bester of course because he played Chekhov on the original series never heard of him yeah Chekhov was he was i've I've seen the first season Uh, i don't remember him too well Yeah. yeah Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Khan remembers yeah. him because he's got that good of a memory. That's, that's who it is. <laughs> yes, he's got that, such a good of a brain. He never actually met him in the first, exactly. the first episode that he was in. Um, yeah, uh, Walter Koenig, absolutely brilliant to see uh, such a big character, a big character, even a big actor come in. And he looks so young. Mm. It's probably because he was. Well, yeah, he was in his late 50s, I, I calculated, because he, he just, as we're recording this, two days ago was his 85th birthday. It's wow. Crazy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, to come from Star Trek and sort of have a Star Trek character, a proper Star Trek character, uh, mm. come onto the show, uh, really gave it some credence. I think it was, uh, you know, like a, almost like a, a stamp of approval. And he plays such a hateable character so mm. well. Well, and the and the thing is, I, I was so used to him being Chekhov, and I never really saw him in anything else. That when he first came on and he spoke, I thought, oh my goodness, this is his actual voice. He's an American. <laughs> He's not. He's not actually Russian. Right. I mean, that was dude. The first time I saw this, it was amazing. You know, back in the back in the day, um, so it was it, it was a bit creepy because it was sort of Chekhov, but it wasn't Chekhov. But it was like, oh, really weird. 
I think it's compounded all the more when the first time you see him, he doesn't open his mouth. It's that mm. silent communication from the telepaths. And, you know, he's able to have a full conversation and they think that he's talking to them. I wonder if that was deliberate because they didn't want, you know, the, the nuclear vessels to start coming out of his mouth uh, automatically. And they wanted to break from that tradition or or, or whatever, or, but it seemed to work even more. Yeah, I I um I didn't know where that was going. I th- I didn't know how long they were going to play with that. Uh, I was a bit concerned when I first saw it that uh, it was going to be like this all the way through, or there was going to be a large part of the episode was going to be him just not saying anything, and we would hear the reactions, which was good acting by the other people. Mm. Um, it, it was uh, it was a bit strange, but fortunately, yeah, it only lasted one scene, and we and we moved on from that. Although it was a bit weird when they were interrogating uh, Talia Winters, and they um, they said, "Yes, we can, you know, the two of us, we can find out whether she's telling the truth." And then they put the hands out, mm-hmm. and they're giving it all this. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a little bit a level drama school. Yeah, just yeah. like yeah. we're just going to walk around you. It's all sinister. Oh. Black yeah, gloves didn't that. Yeah, that, that's how you can tell they're evil. Oh yes, exactly. They dress in black and they have black gloves. But also a personal touch that Walter Koenig gave the character of Bester was to make him a cripple. Now, did we see this? No. His arm wasn't moving, or his other arm wasn't moving. The hand that he was holding up was fine, but Mm -hmm. he didn't seem to move the other hand. The other hand is constantly clenched. Really? Yes. I missed Ah. it. It's constantly clenched. And I had to go back and check this out. And it's it's most visible right at the end of the of the episode where he fires his gun and he puts his hand out and puts the other hand on top of it to sort of support the gun, and his hands in a in a fist. But you can right. see it in other scenes. Um, <laughs> trouble with wearing black and having a black glove and putting it down by the side of your, your leg, it unfortunately disappears slightly. But you can see it's clenched in in, in every scene. So That's I'm going to have to watch this again. And we'll have to pay attention in future Bester episodes. Absolutely, because mm. that's a character trait that you've really got to concentrate on and make sure you get right every time. And I wonder if he picked that up from Ricardo Montalban, because in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, he never takes off one of his gloves. Mm. True. So uh, Walter Koenig's character is Alfred Bester, who is named after Alfred Bester, who was born 1913 and died in 1987, who wrote science fiction. In his novel, The Demolished Man, Set in the 24th century, telepaths are classified into categories according to their strength. Huh. So there you go. That's where the ideas come from. And the Excellent. name of Alfred Bester was given to Koning as a, a little nod to that uh, to science fiction book. Because obviously, as we know, in um, the Psychor have ratings of, of strength. This um, episode is, I think, is one of Jakar, my favorite Shikar episodes so far. It starts to show, as he says... Despite your long acquaintance with Sinclair, you're new here, aren't you? Let me pass on to you the one thing I've learned about this place. No one here is exactly what he appears. Not Molari, not Delenn, not Sinclair, and not me. And it's true. And it's true, yes, because Jakar, you think, from the beginning... He's a bit badass and he's a bit, he's, he's like, he's made, his makeup and all that is made to look as though he's a lizard and you don't like lizards. They have the eyes, the red eyes. You know, and instantly you think, oh, no, I don't, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. I don't like him. And Malari is obviously, you know, very gregarious and, you know, you know likable sort of character, although he's, you know, 
a little bit sneaky but he, you know that's just the, the trait of an ambassador but when Jacquard says no one here is exactly what he appears including Sinclair and including uh, Malari etc cetera, etc cetera, and me you suddenly realize by the end of the episode that he isn't as bad as you think he is um I love the fact that um he uh helps uh, Catherine Sakai uh, get to the planet to uh, survey it to look for this um, this quantum 40 or whatever it, whatever it was called he helped you know he says well you can go there but beware of this beware of that make sure you know you've got to take care and she, she says, oh no I'm going anyway and off she goes and straight away he's on the phone and saying hey I need a you know a big uh, starship with you know make sure it's armed and you think well is he gonna shoot her out the sky or what but when she gets there, she thinks she's all fine, she's okay, and then suddenly this big thing appears. Is it a starship or is it a being? It's so big, it's hard to tell. And then it vanishes, and, and she goes, "Oh wow, you know that was amazing. I've never seen that before." And suddenly her ship is is uh, loses um, power, it loses all its power, yeah, and is is heading down towards the planet. And who should appear but some Narns who said, "Oh yes, Jakar sent us after you to you know make sure you're okay," and and tows her back. And when she, she meets up with him and says, Ambassador, Ambassador Jakar. Ah, Miss Sakai, I'm pleased to see that you have returned safely from your expedition. Yes, thanks to you. Just one question. Why? Why not? It's not an answer. Oh, yes, it is. It's simply not an answer you like or the answer you expected. There's a difference. Yeah, so it's, which is, uh, I'm going to use that line a hell of a lot from now on. <laughs> That's not an answer. It's simply not an answer you like or the answer you expected. So, so but it yeah. shows Shikara that he's got a he's got a heart. You know, he's, he's yes. you know, it's, he had no reason uh, to help this woman other than the fact that why not? Norns, humans, Centauri, we all do what we do for the same reason, because it seemed like a good idea at the time. He's a good guy. Yeah. And it's weird because that that whole part of the storyline, I was unsure because this episode I didn't really remember that well at all. And I was unsure where exactly is this going? What are they bringing up? Where is it? What, what's the end game of this particular plot? And the fact that it is really just a character moment for Shakar and for him to explain perhaps, you know, there's something bigger than just the five races we're concerning ourselves with. Um, it came out of nowhere. And I think it yes. made me appreciate this episode a lot more. It's foreshadowing because mm. that thing, I believe, is one of the first ones, one of the original races from billions of years ago, like he says at the end. And mm. it's just a quick glimpse. We don't know anything about it. They don't talk about it again. But it's showing that the universe is a lot bigger than what we're led to believe just on the surface. Absolutely. I, lo I love his, his explanation of the ant. You know, he's saying, you know, I can pick this ant off this flower and it's on my finger and I can put him back. Now he's going to go off and tell all of his ant friends that he's had this amazing experience, but, you know, but he doesn't know what has happened. And that's what the whole of space is like. You know, we are ants. There are things out there that are older and bigger and we don't know what they are, but they are out there. And it, and he said, it frightens me. And excites me to think that there are things out there that I do not know, you know do not that are not explained which is brilliant which is an absolutely brilliant way of looking at the whole of space that's why we that's why we have space programs and get out into space and if we there are things out there that we don't know and we want to find out and if we can't find out then so be it but yeah it was really good I really liked that whole that whole storyline was I thought mm. um, 
slightly better than the the actual storyline, which is this rogue oh. telepath. Yeah. Do, do we do we have to talk about that part of the episode? <laughs> it's not one of the strongest sort of storylines, really. It should have been relegated to the B plot. Yes. But it's 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 set up is what it is. It's all set up for later on. Yeah. To 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 get the psychor involved to to let us know that there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't really know about. That this the psychor is uh, a powerful entity. They're they're shrouded in mystery and shadow, and uh, and and uh, they're going to be responsible for a lot of things. I don't like the ending. The fact that the uh, the Iron Heart becomes this huge being I was you know goes out into space and it's suddenly the whole thing just turns into this huge huge being and off he goes see you in a million years yeah well, <laughs> well, t- turns out to be true because we don't see him again it's not explained <laughs> as to what he is where he's gone what he can do what he can't do will he help mm. humanity will he help and will he bring peace to the whole universe mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not yeah <laughs> hard to say so yeah, and um, I mean there was nothing wrong with the actor. I thought he did everything you know the best he could uh, with what he had. Um, his acting was fine. The story, you know, somebody from the past who you know they may have had a re- relationship with. Although it's, here we go again with the uh, the tutor and the uh, and the student having an affair yes. again. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't you know it's a trope. I don't mind. I don't mind the, the, that sort of backstory if you want to go with that. It was just a bit of a weird thing to, to to go through and i think telepaths always worry me anyway i mean he, he made a very good point though about um you know people wanting to move big things and move big things but he says it'd be it, you know it's it's really moving the small things that that you want you know you could you could squeeze the carotid artery and just kill somebody and then release it and then nobody would ever know it's the perfect murder a bit sort of darth vaderish with the uh the, very the, much so yeah the choking of the uh of the underling in the in the meeting, so it's mm. it, it does bring up a good point. Uh, you know, you, why bother moving little pennies around the table or glasses across the you know, the table or you know, moving people? Why why bother doing all of that when you can just kill somebody straight away? You know, just burst a blood vessel in the head or something. Oh, it's just mm. yeah, and it's, it's all it's all set up. It's all set up for letting us know that the, the psychor mm. is up to some dirty tricks. Mm. So watch out for those guys. They're going to be a recurring villain. Mm. Yes, it's Section Thirty-One ish, isn't it? Are they Very good? Much. Are they bad? They obviously come along to be, you know, we are the Gestapo type type thing, dressed in black and wearing gloves, and he just needs glasses and a hat to go with it. You know, it, it would have been absolutely perfect. <laughs> I've got a low, a low going through my head at the moment, but uh, <laughs> we won't go into that. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, it is very much the uh, the, the the secret mm. police, if you like. Uh, and it is at least playing on some of the seeds that have been sown on some of the other episodes. Um, the presidential election going sort of far right, and it's being the swell of this, you know, Earth comes first movement, and that there's darker political things going on back home uh, that have been sort of the, for the last at least four episodes that we've looked at. Um, it, it feels like it's part of the universe. It feels believable that there is this Stasi out there that are trying to take over. Um, and that there's all these little bits of stories that are coming in, but I think this part of the the episode is, as we've been saying, it's not as as impressive as what eventually becomes the the Jakar one. Um, it, but even though the Jakar one took its time getting there, for me, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of word world building is what it is. Mm. 
So it, it's it's almost a filler episode, but not quite, because we need this to fill in the pieces that are coming forward. Uh, it's not very exciting, but it's necessary. So uh, we we failed on the uh, Star Trek collections. Do we have any uh, quotes that stand out other than the uh, the Jakar sort of little monologue bit? I, 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 like... I suspect we probably all have the same one, but I'll, I'll hold back. When telepaths make love, it's like the souls mix. It's the only time we don't hear the voices. <laughs> is, that, is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Go with that one. <laughs> it, no, mine's all about moral fiber from our favorite character. You guys never cease to amaze me. All the moral fiber of Jack the Ripper. What do you do in your spare time? Juggle babies over a fire pit? Oops, there goes another calculated risk. You're not helping the situation. Lady, you are the situation. So, I think that's pretty much it, really. Apart from the Shikar sort of storyline and the appearance of the Psycho, there wasn't a lot in this episode to, to, of worth. It was a fairly average episode, really. So, we move on to our ratings. So, IMDb have actually got this quite high. Really? IMDb had this at 7.7, which is actually higher than the previous episode. So, which in our scale of uh, five jump gates is 3.85, which for IMDb, it's the highest episode so far. Seriously? Yeah. My, uh, my, My opinion is that the telepath stuff is some of the worst parts of Babylon 5. I, I don't like the telepath arc at all. Uh, and when we get to season five, the first half of season five, remember Byron? I hate it. Uh, so <laughs> I have to give this uh, a 2.75 out of five jump games for my reading. Dan, what do you think? Again, it's really hard. Um, I don't. Again, I don't want to go into points, point something in all my ratings whilst we're in season one. I, I kind of want to keep it just to whole numbers and then worry about everything else in the next season i would have gone off three because it it establishes so much it does set up a lot of things but you can't really appreciate it unless you know what's coming up and what is supposed to be being set up or if it's something that's just going to be thrown away like with our um infection episode how that never gets referenced again Uh, and i know that talia's powers will be overlooked because she won't be with us for other episodes to come but i only know that because i've seen the show so I'm kind of going to a two out of five. My goodness. Wow. wow. I don't think I'd come back to this episode, which I wouldn't call Mind War. I would call Mindquake. Because yeah. I think it'd be much more interesting. I, I wrote that down too in, in my notes. It says Mindquake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, as I always do, I start this off as a 2.5 and then I say, right, is this slightly better or slightly worse than an average episode of thing? And, th- and this is pretty much a, an average episode. The the psycho drop it down below an average. Jakar stuff brings it up, brings it back up again. Um, I think it brings it back up just a little more than average. That to me is more of a positive than the than the psycho being a negative. So I'm going two point seven five. Two point seven five, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's that's where I was, and that's where Dan would have been if he did if he did half measures. So. <laughs> But I, I don't think I would want to come back to this episode. As much as mm. it sets up so much, I don't think I want to come back to it. There's, there's, a, there's some great quotable lines, but other than that, there's, yeah. just, it, there's not a lot in it. I don't see where IMDb gets 7.7 from. Or, you know, the, as it turns out, 3.85. So it's... They're high on Flarn. <laughs> yes. 
How much better would that Jakar bit have been if it was in last week's episode? Right. Where, it wow. all, where it was all about faith, all about the parliament of dreams, mm-hmm. you know, these ancient ones, you know, the, the dreams of the actual, the ants dreaming about bigger things that they can't understand. It would have been so much better and we could have just cut the whole telepath thing out and had it in a different episode. Agreed. That, that's why I've rated it so low. It, sh- it should have been in a different episode. That would have really blown my mind if, if that was a, if that had been in last week's episode. But that's JMS mm-hmm. cramming everything into the front half of the season to uh, build his world <laughs> and, and get it all established so he can tell the story that he actually wants to tell. True, true. So it's not a great episode, but it's a necessary one. So we're still really think- in the... We're really still in the prologue. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, we, we just met uh, Lanier last week. So mm-hmm. everything is still just being built from the ground up. Yeah. It's not the episode we wanted, but maybe it's the episode we needed. Mm. <laughs> well, on that, I think we have, to, uh, we have to end the podcast there. So that is the end of this episode. Next week, we will be discussing season one, episode seven. The War Prayer. While I was out there, I saw something. What was it? What is this? An ant. Ant? Yeah, I have just picked it up on the tip of my glove. If I put it down again, and it asks another ant. What was that? (laughs) How would it explain? So, if you have any thoughts on this episode of Babylon 5, why not send us some feedback at theepsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search Facebook for The Epsilon 3. There are things in the universe billions of years older than either of our races. They are vast, timeless. And if they are aware of us at all, It is as little more than ants, and we have as much chance of communicating with them as an ant has with us. We know. We've tried. And we've learned that we can either stay out from underfoot or be stepped on. End. Lights and good night. That's it? That's all you know? Yes. They are a mystery. And I am both terrified and reassured to know that there are still wonders in the universe, that we have not yet explained everything. Whatever they are, Miss Sakai, they walk near Sigma 957, and they must walk there alone.